let's pray now. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we come into your presence and we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. We thank you that you gave us the best heaven had. You gave us Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that in the name of Jesus, that uh, you will open our hearts, that revelation will come, and that we may have courage and wisdom to act upon it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know that I, I was just cleaning up some of my old CDs of the sermons, and, uh, and I found some of the titles of my old sermons, and one of them was... Uh, Consistency is the key to excellence. Okay, um, so I think we're living in a culture where everything everything happens now. Like I pray, bang, I put. Uh, I don't know what's yours, my age. I don't know how much do you put into a coke machine now to get a coke out. We used to put 50p and a coke came out. But anyway, uh, but in the kingdom of God, when Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, so like everything that in the kingdom of God is like organic. It's not mechanical. Uh, it's, uh, so Jesus, he talks about the kingdom of God is like a seed, which means it has to be sown. And, uh, and of course, there is a process from you sow the seed until the seed starts growing where you can see it. But the reality is the seed keeps growing. Just like when we were young, when, uh, uh, when we started growing, we didn't realize we were growing, but we kept growing. And it's the same thing that in the kingdom of God, when you're acting upon the word of God, something always happens okay you might not always be able to measure it in the natural but that's not the important part the important part is that we realize and that you know the seed has been sown and something is happening amen and uh, and what what i mean about the consistency is the key to excellence is that um, so we so many times we think everything just happens in an instant okay and uh, sometimes it does sometimes it don't and the exception is it happens in an instant but because of we have seen something happening in an instant that is far more spectacular so we're thinking this is how it's always going to happen but the bible talks about what is gathered little by little will last okay um, i think i saw something that uh, nearly everyone who won the lottery within two to three years they go bankrupt when I came to England, there was this famous woman, and I, I, she became famous because she won the lottery. And when she, over the te te television interview, she was saying, now I'm just going out to spend, 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 okay? And she must have done that because within the last, next two, three years, she was bankrupt. Because I don't know if you noticed, when you need money, the bank won't lend it to you. And when you don't need it, the bank writes to you, don't you need some money? It's really a strange thing. When you need money, the bank says, no, 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 we can't lend you any. I'm, now I, I have plenty of money, do you want to borrow? And, uh, and that's probably what happened to her, that, you know, buy, uh, buy one, get two free or whatever. And, and, and the reason for why it happens to people like that is because what you don't realize is that in the process, God works with your character. And the thing is that God's blessing is wonderful, but it's your character that keeps the blessing alive. Because if your character does not follow, the blessing can actually be a curse, so to speak. Now, what could be a solution can actually become a problem. Okay, you see it many of times that people who have, uh, have been given certain gifts from God, and so we're thinking now, I'm all right with God because I got this gift. Or maybe they had a prophecy. I usually say a prophecy. No, at least even a, a broken clock is right twice a day. Okay, just because we got one word right once in a lifetime, don't think now. But we whisper why we fall apart because the character has not followed with them. And, and this is what happens that when, we, when you see people who we consider as talents or champions and things like that, it is not something that we just woke up one day and say, oh wow, now I'm the world champion. No, it's consistent. It's their consistent practice, it's their consistent work that have made them to uh, to look like what we, the way we look at them and say, "Wow, that is amazing." That didn't come overnight. I don't know. Have you ever gone to the gym? Uh, look, I'm speaking to wrong people. <laughs> the gym. What what is that? <laughs> but you know, 
there's some people I'm, I heard, I met that when they go to the gym, and now we're really going to be fit, and they completely, you know, they never take a push-up in a, in their lifetime, and they want to do 100 push-ups and everything in one day, and they think oh, everything is great, and then the next day they're just hurting. And when we look in the mirror, we don't see any improvement, we just see pain, okay? So these people, in that sense, how did they get a body like that? It was because of consistent practice, consistent training. And it's the same thing when we come to our walk with Jesus, but sometimes we'll be thinking that, oh, it's the, it's the spectacular things with Jesus that always makes the difference. And sometimes it does, but most of the time it's the day-to-day -day walk with him. Amen. And and so and and when don't the Bible say don't seek signs and wonders. The Bible says in the Gospel of Mark, signs and wonders shall follow us. Amen. It's not because of you can go there and you can go there and go there and so on. And the thing is now what without realizing you're led by the natural. Okay? No, but the way God works in our lives is that He speaks to your spirit. And his word is the seed, and when we hear his word, it comes into our heart. Our heart is the ground, that talks about in Mark 4. And when we consistently act upon that word, that word, that seed starts to grow. Amen? And uh, so, so, so consistency in is the key to excellence. And I was just reading up on uh, when after Judas have hung himself, okay, uh, the disciples met in the upper room. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 1, that um, they said that there needs to be a replacement for, for Judas. And, um, and the qualification for how they chose who is going to be number 12 was, have they been consistent? Have they followed the disciples since the days of John the Baptist? And it was not that, oh, he is charismatic, he is gifted to do this, or she is very good at that, or she is nice, and he is whatever. That was not what they were qualified on. It was upon their faithfulness, their consistency. And uh, the, uh, the English Bible don't say it so well, but in the English Bible it says that many are willing, in the book of Proverbs, but who can find a faithful man? And you know what the great thing is? Faithfulness has nothing to do with our gifting. It's nothing to do with our uh, personality, it's to do with our character. And this is where, uh, that when, 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 this is what God looks upon when you and I, when, when, uh, when he promotes us, when he, when, he, when he brings us into new things, it is, can you be faithful? And I always say faithful is not about you getting a new thing. Faithful is, a, can I be faithful what I've already been entrusted? And if I can, all, if I'm faithful with what I'm already been entrusted, then God can give you more. Amen. It's like it's, I remember when uh, I was a student, and uh, I mean that was when I had the revelation about the tithing thing. And uh, and I remember many of my peers they were saying, "Oh yeah, but we will tithe when we get a job, because we are students, we are poor." And that's where like, God He says. No, it, no, it does. Ten percent as a student, ten percent as have a job. It's still ten percent. And but the problem was for these people, they never got into the habit. Just like with, when you find in your tithing thing, it's not like uh, the first time you tithe. It, so now everything just like it is the consistency of it. Because if you only do it once, you have not done it. It's the consistency. Okay, it's like when you know it's every day we have to acknowledge this is the day of salvation. Every day we have to say your will and not my will. Every day we have to pick up our cross and follow Him. And cross is not a punishment. Cross when we pick up our cross, it is when we realize the foundation of why we are here. Our foundation is that Jesus loves us. Amen. And I I think actually. Uh, we need to preach more about the love of Christ because one of the biggest thing in uh, issues in in all of our lives, maybe just in the Western world or whatever, but it's worry. Okay, and uh, and worry is birthed out of fear. And uh, in one of my favorite books, this is in First John, and uh, chapter four. 
I, I, I never understood why we in English call it books. <laughs> no, it's an epistle. Okay. And, uh, and, it, and chapter 4 and 5 is actually one of my favorite scriptures in, in, in the Word of God. And uh, in verse, now let's read from verse 17. It says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now you have to understand judgment here is not talking about when you get condemned when you stand before Jesus. It's about what motives have you lived your life with. Okay? Because only God knows our hearts. You know, from the outside it can look like someone is really, really dedicated, but you don't know that person's dedication built out of penance because of they, they try to uh, comp uh, compensate for something they haven't done. Like that uh, in the early days, when I you know, like I used to say, when we when I we used the phrase, I stand in faith. Really, what it meant was I have to behave. So if I've done something bad, I need to do two good things to make up for the bad thing. Okay, that's not how it works. You know, we are not Muslims. Okay, you know, have you seen these cartoons where? There's a black angel and a white angel on the shoulder. In, in Islam, this is where there's no safety in Islam if you go up or down, unless you become a martyr. Okay? And, uh, but, so in Islam, is so the black and the white angel, they're writing everything down that you have done, and only they know if you qualify to go to heaven. Can you imagine living like that? So everything, but, but but that's not how it works. But Christians do something similar very often. So when we do something bad, so the Catholics they do penance. Oh, Father, I have sinned. And when when he say, Oh, go and say five Ave Marias and do this better the other, when your sin is forgiven, that's really the same thing, okay? But that's not how Christianity works. No, when we talk about judgment here, it is like uh, it's not about your eternity. It's about because you have to understand there are rewards in heaven. Amen. You know, sometimes people forget about it. There are rewards in heaven. So no, whatever you do for God here on this earth is not wasted, so to speak. You know, uh, I know religious people, they, they, they want to sound so pious and say, you know, but, oh yeah, I just want to, if I can just make it with the skin of my teeth to, uh, to get into heaven, I would be so grateful. No, that means you never understood the power of the blood. You don't come into the kingdom of God with the skin of your teeth into heaven because we are there because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. And But what happens in heaven is that it, the Bible does say you will be handed a crown. Little crown, big crown, whatever crown. Okay? I don't know how that works. I will tell you one day. When I go to heaven and you're still here, I'll, I'll come back as I will come back as a ghost and haunt you. And <laughs> anyway, so 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 that, so that's the, so that's the, what the judgment talks about here. Okay, so and uh, uh, seventeen, because as he is, because as he is, no, he's referring to Jesus here, because as he is, so are we in this world. Amen. As he is now, the Jesus he is referring to is not the Jesus of the Gospels, because it's present tense. It didn't say as he was. It says as he is, meaning how he is in heaven now. Okay, you know that if you read, if you see the Jesus in the Book of Revelation and with Jesus in the Book of, uh, in the Gospels, it's two kinds of Jesus. Okay, and the Jesus we, ha we are in is the Jesus of the revelation. That's why he says to us that we shall go out and do even greater things. Another thing we have to understand that with Jesus, because we have sometimes this thing that we say, he's here. You know, like we say, uh, with Jesus, that, uh, uh, so like I stand here and Jerry, so he, he's like, so Jesus is over there. No, that's, that's how we very often talk about Jesus. But remember the body, you know, the Bible talks about that we are in Christ. Okay, we, you know, we, we, we are not, we are not Jesus, but we are in Jesus. Amen. You know, if you catch that revelation, 
when you will realize that you never need to be in lack of his presence. You never need to be uh, begging him, please come Jesus, because he is already here. Why? Because as when you got born again, you got put into Jesus. And when you are in Jesus, you can do what Jesus can do. Amen? It's so, it, but sometimes we look at Jesus, but Jesus is like outside of me. No, I, when I become born again, I get put into Jesus. So I'm not, I am not Jesus, but I am in Jesus. And therefore, uh, we, we do not need to fear. Therefore, we, we can be bold because we are in him. He, and that's where now you can understand this phrase where he says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? Because you are in him. If he leaves, you leave too. Where he goes, you go too, because you are in him. Okay, you don't, uh, you don't leave your house and say, oh, I forgot my arm. Or uh, I'll turn around. Yeah, you, I know we use the phrase, but you can lose your head. Okay, but that's not what it means. But you are, it's so important we understand that when we get born again, we get put into him. We get put into him. So therefore, he's always with us. Another phrase that is used about us is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And, and, and Jesus is talking about the body of Christ. Remember when he said to the disciples, when we, when we were bragging about the temple in Jerusalem, and said, oh, yeah, yeah. And Jesus, oh, he was not impressed about it. So he said, oh, I will, I will break it down and rebuild it in three days. And, but he was not referring to the natural temple, the physical because it was just a shadow of what was supposed to come. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as, uh, as I said so many times jokingly, that, but we are not the holiday home of the Holy Spirit. It's, you know, holiday is, is somewhere we go to every once in a while. No, we are the temple, meaning we are the home of the Holy Spirit. So and that, that, and that's that should be our, that's what it means. But when Jesus said, "Take up your cross and follow me," because of, we need to have that understanding, revelation daily that we are always with Him. We you know you cannot separate when you get born again. You cannot separate you and Jesus because you are in Him. When you got married, you don't say, "I just want the head," or "I just want the arm," or "I just," you know. Okay, we just chopped the arm off and went off with that one. Okay, that's not how it works. No, it's the whole body. It's a whole person. And if it's the foot or if it's the arm or the elbow or whatever it may be, it's all... Yeah, no, if you hit someone, you don't say, it wasn't me, it was my arm. Okay, if you stole something in the shop, it wasn't me, it was my fingers. No, we, because everything from your body refers to you. You know, and that's the same thing with you and I. You and I, we are in Him. It's so important. We always are that because of, and this is something we we believe in faith. It's not something that we we refer we, we can make reference to according to our emotions. Because have you know you notice the devil he 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 manipulates anything in the natural, and if he can get you and I to move by what he manipulates in the natural. He wins. But if you can hold on your faith in, no, I am in him. I am in him. I'm telling you, when what he's saying is just a lie. Uh, very often, you know, the devil, remember when, when the devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, make these stones to bread, into bread. And what he was trying to do, he was, got, he was trying to get Jesus to use something natural to confirm what God had said to him. But Jesus did not, but if he had done that, he's gone in and fight the fight in the natural. But the thing is that he did not want to fight the fight in the natural. So that's why he said, it is written. He stayed in the spirit. He stayed in the word. He stayed, because when you're in the word, you are all, you, it's similar to you are in God. And that's what the devil always wants you to do. That's why he comes with worries. Because when you worry, it, it, it is temptation to start acting in the natural. 
And the moment we're acting in the natural, now we are on his uh, playing ground. Because the Bible talks about that he, he is the God of this world. And, and another thing you have to understand is that the devil don't ever come and tell you something like, I'm going to destroy you. No, he, the Bible says he's the angel of light. You know, he, he does not walk around in a black suit with, with two horns and a long fork. Okay? He, he, the Bible talks about that he maybe was one of the most beautiful, beautiful creations that God had made. So he, the way he tempting, have you done, he, he doesn't tempt you with something you don't like. Can you imagine, Wilson, God come, uh, devil come to you and say, Oh, Wilson, eat these potatoes. <laughs> That's not a temptation at all. You know, we, we don't get tempted by that. You know, a temptation is something that looks nice at the beginning. Okay? So anyway, and I, you can see what happens to Adam when he starts becoming a vegan person. He wanted to be a vegetarian, so he had a fruit. And as I told you, it's not an apple, it's a banana. Because when Eve had taken a bite, Adam stood like this, and when he boop, put it in his mouth, and I said, now you sin too, Adam. <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, so, so, uh, so here is, so, uh, because as he is, so are we in this world. Because as he is, so are we in this world. That's why we can boldly proclaim we are the head and not the tail. You know, whatever situation you should be, you find yourself in, you should really just ask, what would Jesus do? Because what would Jesus do in this situation? You can do in this situation. Why? Because I am in him. When people see you, they see Jesus. Amen. Are you worried now? <laughs> when, when, when people see me, they see Jesus. No, because you are in him. You are in him. And the Bible says here, this is John, John the beloved. This is, I find that, I'm not so, uh, he's the most fascinating character. I told you that many times, that he, 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 he can slip all sorts of personal things in the, in, in the word of God about himself when he talks about Jesus you know, at the resurrection morning. I don't know why. At the most powerful day in world history, Jesus is resurrected. Okay? And then John slips in, I can run faster than Peter. You know, he, he can, you know, but Peter starts running towards the grave, but I got there first. Okay? And then he's a, he's a mama's boy too. Because he got his mom to go to Jesus. Jesus, can John sit at your right hand? Okay. And, and, but, and yet, anyway, so, so he says here, as he is. As he is. So that's why that the first thing when you're facing a situation, would I worry if Jesus is here? Okay. And then obviously the answer is no. When the next thing you need to remind yourself of, is he is here. So if he is here, I don't need to worry. Amen. Because what causes us to worry is because of we thinking that something is going to punish us. Something is going to take something away from us. That we are going to lose something. That's why we are worried. You know, you, you don't worry about the money you got in your bank account. Or maybe you do. Actually, I did that. That's not a good example. Um, when I was a student, we, so uh, at a flat I lived in, so we, so every, so every month you had to pay a certain amount for heating. And uh, but because I lived on the second floor, so I got the heat from upstairs and downstairs so, and from the side. So I didn't need to use a lot of heating. And uh, when when every year the money you overpaid, you got it back. So that month. I got a lot of money back compared to when I was a student. I couldn't sleep all night because I think I bought the whole city for this money. Oh, I'm going to buy this. Nah, no, I'm going to buy that. No, I'm going to buy this. And so, so actually, it's not a good example anyway. But it's so wise that we understand the, as he is. And it's also important, another thing that is so vital we understand is that we must start identifying ourselves with Jesus. 
Now, it's not like you know, the way we very often do, we, we identify us, ourselves with Jesus as we identify ourselves with other people. So it's something that is external of us. No, we are in him. And uh, one day, you can, uh, you can study that. Uh, in, in the New Testament, in Romans, the two epistles of Corinthians and Ephesians and Colossians, where look for the scriptures that says, in Christ, in him, by whom? Because that's the one you really are. But religion have always taught us something that is Jesus there and me here. Okay? He can go and he comes, he goes and he comes. No, he's always here because I get put into him when I get born again. So wherever he goes, I am there too. So now I need to learn to identify myself with him. Pastor Yonggu Chiu, he, he, you know, and it's something you need to practice to do. When Pastor Yonggu Chiu was a young man, he had to practice that truth to become a reality into his life. Okay, this is how you see, when you see the Bible, anything in the Bible, the way you get it into your life is not by memorizing it, it's by practicing it. Okay, like if you do any sport or any kind or any job or whatever, and then someone will teach you, what, what will they tell you, do this. But, but don't say, think about this. No, for, for, for what they know to come into your life, you have to practice it. Okay? You have to practice it. That's why I, I think you should be worried sometimes when you go to the doctor. They practice on you. <laughs> this is where I practice. Oh, okay. <laughs> you think, oh, now I'm safe. I'm with the doctor. No, now we are practicing. <laughs> but the way, when you practice the word of God, it comes into your life. But again, just like if you do two push-ups, that doesn't mean that your biceps grow big by two push-ups. It is consistent practice. Amen? And um, so, 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 so Pastor Young Chiu, he, he used to, when he went home from his office, so he called his wife and he said, oh, the kingdom of God is coming home. And of course, that sounds funny. Okay, but what he was doing, he was practicing in identifying himself with Jesus. He was trying to practice that, understand, I am in Jesus. I'm not just following him, I'm in him. I'm a new creation. Okay, and, and, and the way you, and you and I, we should, the way we should, we should practice it ourselves. That's why doing Christianity is so important because it, you know, what you know in your head, doesn't make any difference until you practice it. Okay? You can, oh yeah, you, you can have all the theories, you can have all the philosophies, all the doctrines right, but if you don't practice, it stays in your head. And if it stays in your head, it won't make a difference in your life. Okay? So, so, so I mean, verse 18 it says, There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casted out fear. Now what love are we talking about? It is the revelation of that you know that you are loved. You are safe. God, has, uh, God is in control. I wrote here on Facebook during this week that you know, God will take care of everything that you cannot, that is, that you cannot control. That's why people are afraid of flying. Why? It's because they feel out of control. And yet this, it might be the most safest, statistically, it's the safest way of flying and of transport and so on. And yet you see people, they go to fly, some of them are very, very nervous. But the thing is that perfect love casts out fear. Amen. You know, you, we need to remind ourselves and remind one another, I am the beloved of God. I don't think it was only John, John the beloved who was the, the, the beloved of, of Jesus. Jesus loved them all. But it's not so much about that Jesus uh, loved you, it's do you know that he loves you? 
Amen? And that's where we need one another to remind one another of that we are beloved. We are the loved ones. Because still very often in our way of Christianity is that we're trying to earn his love. We're trying to make him love us. But the thing is that when Jesus said, it is finished, he had already declared his love for you. Again, that's why we take up our cross daily so that we always live that life on a foundation of I am the beloved. I'm not going to be loved because I did this, that, and the other. No, I'm loved and therefore I do these things. The things I do, I don't do, I don't do, to make, do them for him to love me. I do them because I know I'm already loved. Amen? And this is, I, I, so, so there is no fear in love, but perfect love casted out fear. So when you feel fear, when you feel worry, the Bible says, cast your cares upon Jesus. Why? Because he cares. He cares. I usually say, what is important in your life is important in his life. Why? Because you are one. You know, your hand doesn't say when you hit your foot or whatever. So the hand doesn't say, oh, it's not my problem. It was the foot. Okay? No, no, no. What, what do we do? The hand responds and hit the door that, that, that you ran your foot into. Because it's one. It's one. So, so there is no fear. But love casts out fear because fear have torment. Now this is really where it refers to worry. You know, have, you know worry is torment. <clears throat> and, and, there, and that's where it's so important we learn to control our mind. Okay? Now worry is really a perverse way of hope. We start imagining what could happen. What could happen. Hope is something that we, what, something positive that could happen. And the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Worry is the opposite. And the way to uh, overcome worries in your head is that if you notice that if you start speaking, confessing, you cannot think. The moment your mouth speaks, your brain has to listen. But when we worry, we have there's one com, uh, common denominator. When we worry, we stay silent. We, we just let the devil play havoc with our mind, painting all sorts of imaginations in our head, and we don't say anything. We just let. But when you stand, but what you can do, you can stand up and say, "No, I, I can confess. No, I am the beloved of Christ. He will never leave me nor forsake me." Amen. He has said, I shall cast my cares upon him and because he cares. And you know, but and that's all we need to do, but we don't need we don't need to know why. We don't need to come up, we don't need to give the devil a solution or an explanation because he is not, he is under our feet. Okay? So there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear have torment. He that fear fear it is not made perfect in love. So now don't read that in a negative way, but read that in a way that pray the prayer that is in Ephesians 1 over your life every single day. Because of there is the revelation that uh, the Apostle Paul uh, he right there, that, that our the eyes of our hearts may be open. And what what, what is open for? So that we can see how much he loves us. I, I believe uh, most Christians work today, what we call Christian work today, is not based on love. It's based upon we try to get God to love me. See, I'm a good Christian. See, I, I do good deeds and so on and so forth. We, I need you to love me, Jesus. I need you to love me. And we don't realize he already do. You are already the beloved. He cannot love you more. Amen. You are already the beloved. You can, so everything you do, you don't do to get a reward. You do it because you're already loved. You don't do it to please him. He's already pleased. You know, when, when God looks at you, when God the Father looks upon you, you have to understand, he looks upon you according through the blood of Jesus. You know, remember that... You can, you, can, you can look that up yourself. When in, in the Old Testament, when, when, when someone has sinned, so there was different kinds of animals where should bring a sacrifice if they have sinned according to the sins. 
And if you look at the behavior of a priest, he'd never spend time looking at the sinner. Because it was obvious he was sinned, because else he wouldn't be there. Now what he did, he looked at the lamb. He looked at, is the lamb perfect? He didn't look at the owner of the lamb. He looked at the lamb, and if the lamb was perfect, and it was accepted as a sacrifice, now the sinner was righteous again and could go home. But in the whole process, the priest did not look at the sinner. And it's the same thing, but you know, that's why that they interrogated Jesus for three days, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Roman soldiers and all these, because they were checking, is he the perfect lamb? And they found no fault in him. So when God the Father looks upon you and me now, he sees only perfection. Why? Because he sees us through the blood of him, through the blood of Jesus. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. That's why that when we use phrases like we plead the blood of Jesus, why? Because the devil cannot cross that blood. Okay? It's something I learned many, many years ago that if, uh, from my youth leader in Esbjerg, and she said that she had problems with, uh, with nightmares and things like that. And then one day the Holy Spirit showed her that there was an, like her mind, there was an entrance to her mind just like, like a gate. And when, when the Holy Spirit said to her, before you go to sleep every night, plead the blood of Jesus on the bars of your mind, of the entrance of your mind. Because now, once the blood is there, the devil cannot touch it. Remember when the death angel went through Egypt? And what did God say to Moses and to the Israelites? Slaughter the lamb and plead the blood on the doorposts. Because he cannot go in there. Amen. Because that's how powerful the blood is. The blood protects you. The blood reminds you. That's where that we need to talk more about the blood of Jesus. We need to talk more about the sacrifice of Jesus. Because of when that becomes alive to you, when you realize that you are the head and not the tail. You know, that we using phrases, many of the phrases we've been grown up with, we use it to explain our ignorance. Okay, instead of asking God for giving us revelation. So like we say someone, oh, I'm under attack. Okay, just that phrase, is, it makes the devil sound so powerful. And yet he's defeated. No, we, 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 we need revelation. The devil is, the only reason for why the devil can attack us, or so to speak, is our ignorance. If you knew who you were, he would not attack you at all. Okay, here he says he, he might try, but he will be running, screaming away from you. That's where in Old Testament talks about where the enemy shall come in one way and flee in seven. Because the moment you realize you are in him. Okay? Anyway, so, with, so that fear is not made perfect in love. And I believe that this is the most important prayer you can pray. But God reveals to you how much you are loved. Amen. That is so important we understand that, that because that is the foundation that in John 3.16 what for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. I am the beloved. They say about the church tradition talks about that John the beloved that all the original disciples they all died as martyrs. Okay. But the John, the beloved, the Roman soldiers, they actually tried to boil him in, in oil. And when we threw him in, he didn't die. He didn't touch him. That's why he ended up on the Isle of Patmos, you know, where he got the revelation, where he got the revelation of Jesus. Okay? And it's that revelation we need. You have to understand the book of Revelation is not about the end time. It's not about something in the future. The book is called The Revelation of Jesus. And what was that? So can you, you know, John, who had walked with Jesus for three and a half years, suddenly he had a revelation of who Jesus is. Amen. And the same thing that sometimes we think Jesus is like the lonely shepherd with long beard and blue eyes and sandals and so on. No, he's the king of kings. Amen. So, anyway, so, and so, verse 19, we love him 
because he first loved us here. Verse 19, this is the key. If you are not made perfect in love, now John gives you the answer. We love him because he loved us first. And that's where the revelation of that he loves me. You know, make that your work every single day, homework every single day, and say to yourself, Jesus loves me. Jesus, you know, we are, we are very good to tell other people, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. No, we need to remind ourselves, Jesus loves me. And, and that's where confession comes in. It's not to, when we, you know, sometimes, my, when I confess, it is not to impress you. Do you understand? It is from remind myself because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I, if I practice daily to say to myself, I am the beloved. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Do you know what? When, when you start practicing his love and now his love starts to become real in your life. Don't think it. Say it. And you can do that on your own. You don't need to impress anyone else about what, uh, how many Bible verses you know or whatever. No, you say it for your own sake. And just say, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And when I realize, when, when I have the revelation, it will drive out every fear. Why? Because he loves me. Because he loves me. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Why? Because he loves me. Oh, no, because I prayed an hour today. No, because he loves me. Because he loves me. Amen. It is, it is this very simple tools I'm giving you, but it's very effective because when you realize I am the beloved, when you realize now we can see he who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. Amen. He who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. Who is he referring to? Jesus. Jesus does not separate himself from you. It's only us who, who separate us ourselves from him. Jesus, he looks at us as one. We are his body. I can't say this is not my arm. This is not my leg. This is just a leg, but not my leg. It's not a leg. No, he identifies himself. He doesn't look at you and say, no, no, this is not mine. No, you are in him. Amen. And, and the body is better. When, when something hurts somewhere, it affects the whole body. Amen. If you, buy, if you, if you buy, break your arm, when you don't just send your arm and stay home. Can, tell me when I can come and pick up the arm. No, the whole body has to walk, has to go where. When the ambulance comes, they have to move the whole body. We don't say, oh, no, we don't have space, we'll just take the arm. No, it's the whole body. And, and it's the same thing. You are one with him. Amen. You are one with him. We love him because he first loved us. We, so notice here, yeah, we don't need to make him love us. Amen. We don't need, he already loves us. And we need to remind one another of, of that. This is why we need to be a part of a body, so to speak. It is to remind one another of Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Amen. Jesus loves me. If a man say, I love God and have hated his brother, he is a liar. Okay, now notice he used the word brother here. He's referring to another Christian that is in the body. So if a man say, I love God and hated his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And I believe that this is a, this is a universal principle <clears throat> in many things that, that, I, that you cannot say, I love Jesus and hating your brother because uh, you... Uh, the, the brother is referring to here is also a part of the body. You know, the people uh, who have the uh, eating disorders and things like that is that they learn to hate their body and that becomes destructive. Okay? But we have to love, you know, say, you know the way you love God, you see, is how you treat the body. 
it's like again that uh, I say that uh, how can you say you can listen to God if you can't listen to people? How can you say that you're submitted to God if you ca cannot submit to people? Okay, and then, and this is where the charismatics have 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 diluted uh, Christianity is that uh, as I call it, the biggest name dropping of all. So, because we don't want to listen, so we say, oh, God told me. No, God doesn't. I'm telling you, in, in real Christianity, in real life Christianity, not fantasy Christianity, of 99% of when God speaks to you, he will speak to you through other people. Okay? Uh, all this nonsense about God showed me this and God showed me better. No, this is like, in, if you're not a Christian, you will, you will call it name dropping. And name dropping is based upon insecurity. And if you talk in Christian terms, insecurity is based upon, I don't feel I'm loved. Therefore, I need to add a name to feel value. But if you are already valued, then you don't need to make yourself important in other people's eyes because you can rest and be at peace with who you are. Amen? It is because so many people's lives have been destroyed by this name-dropping thing and they don't realize it's not spirituality, it's insecurity. And insecurity comes from you have not realized how loved you are. This is like when you see, you know, in what they say, the, the, the old style of preaching where people standing on the street corner and preaching, you know, preaching at people. Okay, okay. They don't do it for the sake of the people. Because most people, they don't hear a word of what you're saying. They're just walking past you. But it's so that they can go home and say, I'm doing something for Jesus. But the thing is, you don't need to do anything for Jesus to love you. Okay? And by the way, again, this street preaching, this is something that is from the, you know, it was from the culture of when people didn't have internet. You can, you can reach more people on Twitter than you can do standing on the corner, okay? It was then, in the olden days, that's where people, they met. So, of course, you do preaching open air, but it's not a biblical thing to do that. It is just, that's how it is. You know, so we all drive, uh, ride donkeys because Jesus rode a donkey. I need a donkey. I to do you need a license to have a donkey? No, I don't... You know, you can just jump on a donkey and then, okay, you know, it's nothing to do with spirituality. That was just transport. Okay. Anyway, so, uh, so for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath not uh, seen, how can he, uh, God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. He who loveth God love. You know, this, the, you know, this is something that will come natural. But when you realize how much he loves you, the second part comes natural. You don't need to work up and say, I love you. I love you. I love you. Why? Because God told me to. I love you. That's not love. It will come natural when you realize how loved you are. And that's the key. That just focus upon, Jesus, show me how much you love me. When everything else will fall into place. Why are people worried when they feel ill and so on? It's because of we 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 we, uh, we don't you know. I heard many people pray for healing out of fear. Okay, no, we pray for healing because we know He loves us. If you read the Gospels, when Jesus heals, it's always done out of compassion. So the foundation for healing is compassion. Which is again an extension of that you are loved. Jesus don't heal you because, oh, you've done five penance, you pray five hours, you've done this, that, and beyond. No, he heals because he feels compassion. He loves you. Amen. That's where, but sometimes, you know what is interesting? When you and I we become believers, it's easy to receive the love of God. And when we get introduced to a religious system, and when we suddenly changes to thinking that the love of God is a, some kind of point system we, we enroll in and we need to do this better than the other. No, you can love him. You know, I, I minister to people, they come, especially Christians, when I've been somewhere, 
I mean, we're all tied up and caught up. And we're praying all sorts of things because we, we, because of, we feel we have to do something. No, we just need to accept that God loves them. That's why when you see when I minister to people, if I can get them to if I can get them to laugh, I can get them healed. Okay, I, you have to understand it's not the joke that heals them, but it's because that they're so tied up in all these religious things. And God, you know, that's why when you need most operations, what do they do? They have to knock you out. Can you? I, I don't understand these people who, uh, who wants to be awake when they operate on you. Can you imagine? So, uh, and like, it must be, I couldn't, I, I better be, be gone, okay? Anyway, so, and this, so we loved him. So this, found, this is the foundation for what I'm going to share with you, okay? Don't worry, I won't speak too long. And uh, now, so whosoever believe it, you have to understand that the, the epistles was not written in chapters and verses, okay? I don't know if you write emails, text messages. Chapter 1, verse 1. That's, that's not how we write, okay? So, so, so it's a context here. So whosoever believe it that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loved him that begat loved him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. No, so so the way we practice his love, and now again you can do this out from a religious point where you don't feel your love. But it will come. This is something that comes second nature to you when you realizing that you are loved. Okay, that we love God and keep His commandment. It's not difficult for a man to stay faithful if he's in love with his wife. I don't need to do at a wedding. Remember to stay faithful. Do you understand? That's not what we say at a wedding. You don't need to tell a person who is in love with God, "Don't steal." Don't do this and don't do that. No, it will come natural. Okay? So, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his, uh, his commandments are not grievous. For, so, number four, uh, verse 4 here. For whatsoever is born of God, are you born again? Yes. For whatsoever is born of God, for whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. So, if you are born of God, you overcome the world. You overcome the world. If you just sometimes the best to remind yourself, just ask yourself these questions. Sometimes, am I born again? Am I born of God? And of course, you will say yes when you can say, therefore, I can overcome the world. Amen. No, when you know. When, when you know when you know that you can overcome the world, you don't need to worry anymore. Amen. You know when the devil say, "Yeah, but what about this? What about that?" You say, "I'm born of God. He takes care of it." That's why we call him Lord, because he is in control. The devil is not in control. He is in control. The Bible says that when we walk with him, he can even make your enemies your friends. Amen. I, 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 what's this thing I put on there to believe yesterday about Israel, about Jerusalem? That how, uh, uh, how the, the, the Jewish people retook the old city of Jerusalem because it wasn't planned. And uh, <clears throat> even uh, uh, Diane, uh, you know, I, I've seen this Israeli general, you know, the one with the eye clap on, Moshe Diane. He's a very famous uh, general in the Israeli army in the 60s. Uh, you can see him because he only got one eye. And uh, he didn't want to take the old city and so on. And, uh, and at that moment of time, I think the Jordanian had a lot of uh, military uh, station at the Temple Mount. So it will basically be a suicide. You know, a lot of casualties. But when there were two meetings held at the same time, one in the Jordania and one in the Israeli cabinet, 
And, and basically, the Israelis, they took the Temple Mount and the old city and uh, without any bloodshed, which is fascinating. And it's actually it's the same thing when, uh, what's his name, the, the British general, when he retook Jerusalem, Allenby, yeah, when uh, General Allenby, you know, you, you can find this on YouTube, but he comes on his white horse and when he stops at the city gates, and then there's always military things, big parade, and everything was ready for him. And then he jumps off his horse, and then he walks in to visit Jerusalem. Because he said, you know, my, my master, you know, referring to Jesus, he came into Jerusalem on a donkey, therefore I can't ride into Jerusalem on a white horse. So it, it looks really funny, because he's not a big man, so he's just walking. And everyone, what are we supposed to do? Okay, but God can move anything. No, sorry, that's the wrong phrase. God will move anything. Because none of us are in doubt about that. No one is in doubt. Sinners, believers, whatever, I doubt that God can. No, God will. Amen? God will. And why, do we, why can we be confident that he will? Because we know he loves us. Amen? Can you imagine your children praying? What are you praying for if you're going to be fed today? No, that's not even an item because they, they can live in the confidence in that there are food. Okay? You can live in confidences that God will. This is, as I said, this sermon I have, the first three things Jesus did in public ministry, where the one with the leper was God will. When the leper said, if you will, he didn't say, if you can. He said, if you will. If you will. You, no, and Jesus said, I will. After you prayed five hours. No, that's not what he said. He said, I will. Amen. You know, all these people who, whom Jesus healed, they, they did get healed because they had the right doctrine. They didn't get healed because they had the right character. They didn't get healed because they had the right philosophy. Whatever deeds or whatever it may be, they got healed because they ran to him and relied upon his grace, his mercy. Amen. And so did you and I when we got saved. We didn't get saved because, oh wow, I'm, oh, I did. You know, but I don't know. But, but, uh, we got saved not because of who we are. We got saved because of who he is. And and now also remind yourself of this. Anything you pray for, you can pray for with confidence. Why? Because God has already given you the greatest gift. Anything else you're asking for is less. Oh, no, no, I can't ask God for that. Yeah, but you just got salvation, which is a far greater gift. So, yeah, but I, I can't, you know, yes, you can. Amen. You know, this is where some, some of the old Christian books are very good. The new ones, I don't read really. But the, 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 when Pastor Young Cho, he was whispering about where he asked God for a bicycle table and an office chair. And uh, he, he kept asking and he didn't know why nothing happened. When one day the Holy Spirit said to him, but you're not told me which one you want. No. It's like when, I think, what was it, Pastor Frank's cousin, when she was young, she came to me once in a meeting and said to me, Oh, I just want to get married. You heard me say, I was story, it's Pastor Fang's cousin. So I, so I thought it was a good teaching opportunity. So I laid my hands on her very solemnly because I'm the Pope. <laughs> and I said, please God, give her a little fat, ugly man. <laughs> and in the middle of the meeting, she said, ah! <laughs> so I said, but you said you just want to get married. And the little fat ugly guys are a, little bit, are a bit difficult to get rid of. I hear there's someone who has no preference. A few years later, when I went back to the same church, she came dragging her husband with her. <laughs> See, he's not fat. <laughs> and my husband had no clue what we, what we were talking about. But the thing is, you are allowed to say to God, these things because he have always, but sometimes in our faith, oh, I can't ask God for this because he's, no, because in, in our measure, we think, oh, it's too big. Or this is, 
this is not holy or whatever. No, you can ask for anything. Why? Because he has already given you the greatest of all gifts. Himself. Amen. Anything else is inferior. Anything else you ask for from now on is inferior. And one, another thing we need to we, we resurrect it. Actually, this is something that I believe that the Holy Spirit laid on my heart. That I need to preach more about healing. Uh, we need to because healing is a huge part of who Jesus is, and we want everything that Jesus has. You know, he, some people they say they, they're just happy with him being their savior. Oh, no, it's we have the whole Jesus, and healing is a big part of it. And uh, so, anyway, so for whatsoever is born of God, and in your own Bible, write down, I am. Amen. I am. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. What is that? We have faith in or trust in Jesus loves me. Hallelujah. Jesus loves me. Write that everywhere you can uh, find in your house where you look at things, the biscuit tin, just put it. Put it there and say, Jesus loves me. There, on the fridge door, Jesus loves me. It, it needs to be, if I call you 2 o'clock in the morning, the first thing you should say, Jesus loves me. It should be drilled so much into you that whatever happens, the first response, Jesus loves me. I had a German teacher that uh, when I was in year 7 or something like that, she drilled in the German grammar into me. You can, you can, I can still quote it. Okay, because I was so scared of it. Okay, anyway, but it needs to be driven into you. Don't, don't, don't approach the Bible in terms of what does the Bible say about this or what does the Bible say about that, because now you're already falling into a philosophical, doctrinal path that will not bring you life. No, you need to have, you need to just explore that one thing. He loves me. And even everything else will come all by itself. Okay? Everything will come by itself. Healing will come by itself. Restoration will come by itself. Forgiveness will come by itself. Anything that you need in your life will come. The blessing will chase you everywhere because you are just so receptible because you know Jesus loves you. Many of times we wish for why we don't receive from God is because we don't feel inside in our heart that we are worthy enough to receive. We're not worthy enough to receive such a big gift or whatever it may be. Yes, you are. Because it says nothing about us, it says everything about Him. Amen. So, so who is He that overcometh the world, but He that believeth? That Jesus is the Son of God. That he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is so, so who is he that overcometh who is he that overcometh world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that bear witness, <coughs> because the Spirit is true. Amen. So who is he? You can write that in your Bible. This is me. Amen. This is me. Now you, you can read many healing testimonies and where God really had come through. And you can, you can see the underlining thing with them all that they have in common. They came to a point where they realized Jesus loves them. Pastor Young Chu shares about a woman uh, in South Korea who had brain cancer. And, uh, and when the Holy Spirit said to her, pray the prayer, the Lord's prayer, a hundred times. Okay. Now you can you can take that testimony in two ways. Some people they take it in this way, but oh, I should just pray it a hundred times, and when I get healed, no. But what happened to her when she prayed the Lord's prayer? Revelation came that God loves her. So when she had prayed it 99 times, nothing had happened. When she prayed it a hundredth time. Because of it, she kept practicing, she kept practicing, she kept practicing, and because she kept practicing, it became reality into her life. And when she prayed it the hundredth time, she was completely healed. 
Amen. Hallelujah. So, remember one thing. I am the beloved. Amen. I am the beloved. Jesus loves me. Don't, there are so many people, what does the Bible say about marriage? What does the Bible say about money? What does the Bible say? Do you know what? No, you don't need to be taught generosity when you meet Jesus. It comes all by itself. You don't need to be taught to be forgiving if you met Jesus. It comes all by itself. You don't need to be taught. No one needs to teach you to be happy in you when you fall in love. Oh, why are you so grumpy? Because I'm in love. <laughs> no. Okay? You don't need to. It, it, it comes normal. Amen? So the one thing, just focus upon the one thing. He loves me. Jesus loves me. Me and Jesus, we are one. We are one. I am an overcomer because I'm born of Jesus. I am, oh, I, I, I am born of God. Just look, that's why we take communion every single Sunday to remind ourselves of what Jesus has done. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you will grant us courage and wisdom in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.